I want to do a shout out to one of our amazing partners, Banzoogle. Now, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a stunning website for artists. Now, I have personally have used web builders for years. In fact, the 8020 Records website is maintained by yours truly. But honestly, these days, as someone who represents artists, I just want something straightforward that still looks amazing and works with everything that we use, such as Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Bands of Town, Printful, and so forth. And Banzoogle checks off all of these. Also, for those of you who have no idea how to build websites, don't worry, they make it super easy there too. You do not need to know a single line of code. In fact, after you sign up, they go step-by-step step through each part of the process to get you up and running. Plus, their pricing is practically the same as if you paid for a web host. So really, it's a no-brainer. Lastly, and most importantly, what I love about Banzoogle is the people. Every single person I've spoken to has been nothing but kind and extremely responsive and helpful. They truly care about the artists that use their platform. And honestly, don't just take my word for it. Go listen to my interview with Stacy Bedford, the CEO of the company. Banzoogle is also offering to all our listeners 15% off the first year of any subscription. Just enter the promo code 8020show or 8020show, like the numbers, on banzoogle.com. I'll also put it in the description. Built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle. You're listening to The 8020 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The 8020 Show. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and my next guest is the indie pop group Summer and the Rain. Now, I have the pleasure of interviewing the entire band as we discuss the importance of music education and how healthy competition can elevate your skills. In fact, two members have had prior projects that had the opportunity to open for Alice Cooper. We also talk about internships as well as how to hone your performance on stage. It is my pleasure to give you Summer and the Rain. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Oh, my absolute pleasure. You know, usually I'll have one or two people on the show, but this is a rarity of having four people you got the whole on yeah, the whole the whole band, the whole gang. So we're going to have so much fun in talking about um, everybody's experience. But I do want to start with uh, Precursor that summer. You used to intern for 8020 Records. Yeah, um, I got the opportunity. I think I was probably 16. So I think that was when I first started driving and then I was driving all over the city to get to meetings and stuff. So I got a lot of experience with that. Um, but yeah, I got the opportunity um, to come and work with you guys. And I definitely learned a lot. I had a wonderful time working with you guys. It's a great team. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. I actually remember the first time you came to one of our meetings, your mom came along too. <laughs> yeah, she had to scope it out, of course. And, and I, I totally get it. Like, I understand, like, again, you were 16 years old and you were trying to learn more about the music industry. And, and like, honestly, if I was a parent too, and my kid was going to like, a, like a record label meeting, like I would probably want to make sure that it was a legitimate too. Before. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh. That was, uh, and I was like way away from home. So she was like, I want to make sure I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. It's like also Midtown Phoenix, which is a, a decent area, but still it's Midtown Phoenix. So also another thing too, but, uh, yeah, we'll definitely dive into more in, about uh, your experiences with that internship. But I did want to ask uh, the whole band, um, I'll probably go down by the, uh, down one by one here, is how did you get into music? And Summer, I'll, I'll start with you. Okay, 
um, well, I basically, I mean, I've been singing since I could talk pretty much. And I started talking really young. I've been a chatterbox my whole life. Um, but yeah, I've been singing my whole life. That's what I've always had a passion for. Um, I did singing competitions when I was younger. That's kind of what helped me to grow and figure out, you know, don't stand like this and look at the ground the entire time, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, once I was 13, I got a guitar for the first time so I could uh, accompany myself. So that definitely opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, that's kind of a very big thing that I tell a lot of soloists and singers and stuff like knowing how to accompany yourself opens a lot more opportunities for you. So that definitely helped me uh, grow as a musician. I started doing, uh, you know, Proofs in the Pudding, Alice Cooper's band competition. I did stuff like that. And through that, I've been gigging ever since. That's my full-time job right now, actually. Wow. So congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah. It's uh, I'm definitely very lucky to be able to do that. And I absolutely love it. Couldn't ask for anything better. <laughs> what about you, Josh? How did you get into, uh, into music? Well, I'm pretty much self-taught when it comes to drums, which I would consider my main instrument, although I'm not playing as much. I play bass in this band. Um, but guitar, I took lessons for a while when I was pretty young, like eight years old. But um, I really took off with the drums. And so I went to a music school called Rock School. And Rock is spelled with two Ks, very two Ks. important. Um, yeah, Rockaka School. <laughs> was that here in, in Arizona? Yeah, and Gilbert. And um, basically, I had like a tryout type thing. And the owner of the school told me, I just want you to be like in the house band like right now. <laughs> and so that house band became uh, Vintage Wednesday. And that oh, was really? five years. And um, we, <laughs> we uh, did Alice Cooper's Proof is in the Pudding five times. So we finally got it. I so, love um, it. But yeah, through that, we got to gig a ton and definitely learned a lot from it. So that's pretty much, I've been in a couple different bands since then, but I would say that's like the big chunk of my growth in music. That's amazing. Yeah. What about uh, you, Joel? How did you get into music? Uh, so my family is all musicians. My dad and my mom. My dad came from like the L.A. punk scene uh back in like the 80s so he was doing a bunch of underground shows he was there for like the la riots all that sort of stuff so he he was big into that culture and i got a lot of that from him and then my mom grew up playing piano so i started playing piano when i was about seven and then from then i joined like band in school and started branching off into a bunch of different instruments i kind of wanted to try them all and i still kind of have that ambition to kind of like try playing everything at least once um and from there um i just i started a couple of small projects in high school uh one of them was with holden we didn't take it very far but we had a lot of fun in that group putting together some more interesting musical ideas rather than poppy um but through Holden, I ended up meeting Summer, uh, and then later on Josh, and then this whole group started. And then how about you, Holden? How did you get into music? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of similar story. I got started on music uh, at school in fourth grade. I had to choose between music class or band, and I really hated going to music class. So I was like, I have to do band of something. And I was like, well, drums are the easiest thing. So that's that's what I did. and. Um, kind of fell in love with it and um pretty soon after that i got 
tap to go play in the jazz band. And so uh, my back, my background along with Joel was uh, in, in the school jazz band, which is how we met. Um, so that's kind of what I've always done. And uh, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> I was a uh, huge into jazz band as well. I played the trumpet back in school. So I was a huge band geek. So everything from marching band, ensemble band, jazz band, like everything jazz related, especially going up to doing those trips up to NAU to do those jazz competitions to things at MCC. I mean, you name it. I, I was in it for everything. I mean, I was really obsessed with, with uh, jazz, especially in high school. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> what were you going to say, Joel? No, I was just going to say that uh, we did, we've done the same thing. Me and Holden were, I think probably what he was going to say was we were in middle school together in the, uh, in a jazz band together and we went up to nau and did that whole experience and then i went on so far into the band realm as to i marched dci in 2018 if you if you know about drum corps so i did a year of that okay you did dci were were you part of the academy yeah i marched academy on tuba on contra actually in 2018 wow you did i i salute you sir (laughs) because doing tuba in drum corps is definitely not easy Oh, tr- yeah, it, it totally wasn't. Yeah, I, I was really into uh, my um, my ex, who's now a real good friend of mine. Uh, she used to to uh, she was one of the color guards in the Academy. But that's that's super amazing. I, what I always love, too, is that a lot of musicians do find each other because of these things. And that's why I feel that music education is is so, so important, especially at a young age, because it's not just about learning instruments. It's finding people that you can relate with. And I know for myself, I can't, can't imagine what my life would have been if it wasn't for music in school, you know, whether it's with the bands themselves, marching band, jazz band, you know, the drum corps, whatever the case is, it really, you know, gives you these amazing bonds with people that go with you throughout your entire life. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish I had that experience. I kind of, uh, I did choir cause I was like, I sing, I'm going to do choir. And uh, I feel like that was a waste of time. I feel like I should have done band and like learned something else because, you know, choir in middle school is definitely not as uh, <laughs> as much of a discipline as band is. <laughs> I definitely wish I had taken that route a little bit. So then Summer, I'm going to have to get, ask you the question, if you were going to do band, what instrument would you play? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I think I probably would have done like flute or something, you know, would have been like Squidward. <laughs> yeah, I could see you being a flute player. You played the clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> Which, by the way, I played the clarinet for a year, but I think I only liked the idea of playing the clarinet, so I didn't really go far with it. <laughs> That's fair. I, I felt the, I, I love p- playing the piano, and that was another instrument that I played for a very long time. And I had private lessons for 10, 10 years, in fact, and played and trained classically on the piano. But trumpet was my, I felt was my true calling. And I'm trying to go back, like actually right next to me, I have a, a Rolly Lumi Keys uh, keyboard, which I've been having so much fun with. So I've been trying to get more into like synth stuff now because I have the knowledge of playing the piano, but I, I'd rather do some really cool synth stuff now. Like that to me, it sounds awesome. So I've been okay. trying to go down that route. I try playing the trumpet. I picked it up like a couple of years ago and my, like, I just, my chops are just not there anymore. And even my lung capacity. I mean, I was like, I was like hard time breathing for like two, three days after playing the trumpet. I'm like, yeah, my lung capacity just that, like, if you don't, if you don't, it's like anything else, right? If you don't keep it practicing it, you lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like even singing though, right. For vocals, right. It's so that's why it's so important to practice. Yeah. 
in a way. Yeah, in a way. No, I definitely know people who've uh, had really, like, really strong vocals. Like, this is in, like, grade school, but she stopped doing singing to do volleyball for, like, a couple years. And then afterwards, she just, like, couldn't sing the way she used to. Like, it, you really do have to keep with it. And during COVID, that's what I was scared about. It was like, oh, no. Like, what if I don't sing every day and now I'm going to, like, lose my voice? But it's all good. It all worked out. <laughs> So, Summer, the uh, one thing I did want to also talk about because, uh, you know, Josh mentioned about uh, Vintage Wednesday and how uh, Holden and Joel met. I do want to talk about Undecided Youth a little bit because that was, as you mentioned, you were part of the proof in the pudding competition, which I definitely want to talk about more about competitions with all of you about this. But how did Undecided Youth come about? Um, I so basically a little bit after I learned to play guitar and did it, you know, well enough to where I could do it in public confidently. Um, I started going to little like jam nights um, to just try to get myself out there. And I ended up finding um, a couple members of that band through those uh, jam nights. And uh, we practiced uh, for a little bit and we started playing at some small local places. We played at like a barbecue place for a little bit. Um, and then we uh, picked up some more local stuff. And then not too long after I had started doing putting by myself, um, just doing it as a solo artist. I did it by myself for a year. And then uh, the band started doing it. And uh, through that, we definitely got a lot more like club shows, bigger shows, we got to know more people. Um, and so that band started to grow over, let's see. I probably started it when I was a freshman in high school. So probably from when I was 14 up until 2020. So that was about like six years, pretty much. Wow. Pretty, yeah, but I'm um, definitely got a lot of experience in that. And um, I went through a process of learning. I'm a very like, um, expressive performer. You, if you've seen me per perform before, it's a, it's a whole lot. <laughs> um, and it definitely used to be a whole lot more, I think. And I think through that process, I learned kind of how to harness that because I kind of learned the difference between going all out and also having a little bit of control to make it a polished performance. And, you know, also like we were doing hardcore rock songs the whole time, like the energy was up here the entire show. And when you're doing a three hour show, you kind of have to learn, like, I got to reel it back a little bit. I can't be going hundred percent the entire time. Otherwise I'm going to die basically. So, uh, kind of learning like when to pull back was kind of a thing for me and that, which is kind of weird. A lot of people have to learn how to come out of their shell. I kind of had to learn how to shape my shell. So I didn't just overdo it, you know? <laughs> That's definitely putting it lightly because for, for everyone listening, I mean, Summer, like you, you right off the gate were just an amazing performer. And I think that it is actually way better. I, I personally feel that going like scaling down than right, like you said, because it's so hard to sometimes get out of your shell where if you just need to hone in what you're doing, you know, essentially at that point that's tweaking. But I mean, you used to do like all these maneuvers up on stage. I remember like you, you had the famous uh, bend backwards move that you yeah. do. I mean, it was like, like, I'm not joking. Like you were almost like, like where you bend backwards, almost touching the floor. Basically be until she just fell onto no, her back. No, that's what I was going to say. And <laughs> she like, pretend it was on purpose. You no, know, so I, at the <laughs> finals of Proofs in the Pudding, the year we won, it was at Celebrity Theater we're on the round stage and I was going all out. Cause we had like him, we had done it for several years and like not even made it to the finals or, you know, made it to the finals and thought we were going to place and didn't place at all. So I was like this year I'm going as crazy as I can. Like I'm going to make it to where no one else can win this. Like it is going to go to us. And I did a back bend so far back that my hand touched 
the back of my ankle. And then my knees just said, I'm done. And then I just collapsed onto the oh, stage. Oh, no. But the thing about that, if you fall, you just got to flip over and act like you meant to do it. And I finished the song on the ground, like, you know, made it all, you know, made it seem like I meant to do it. Maybe I can't watch that video, though. I will cringe so bad I'll throw my phone across the room. Like, I just can't watch it. <laughs> That's the thing, though, that... And I like everyone's opinion actually on this too is is when it comes to performance that even if you do make a mistake, 99% of the time nobody knows. Yeah. Nope, nope not at all. Especially with that, like, you know, half the time like the like a musician truly messes up to where they're like freaking out about it. it's like no one really knows unless you're like, you know, literally on the floor. <laughs> like you know? Or you make, or you make an expression like if you do like an eye roll or something like that too, and you and you advertise that you made a mistake to the crowd, then we know because oh, yeah. you 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 made it very clear that you made a mistake. But if, like you said, Summer, it's like if you just made it like you you were intentionally going to do that, then who's going to question you doing it intentionally? Even if you made it like, even if you played the wrong note and it was very clear that you played the wrong note, if you made it look like that you intentionally played that note incorrectly. Then who knows? Obviously. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the thing that they preach in music school. You know, if you've never been, then you wouldn't exactly know. But it's all about just like how you recover from from an error. So I, it's exactly what you're saying when it's you just make it seem intentional. And that's that's all jazz is, too, because I mean, that's the joke is that jazz is just a bunch of wrong notes when, when a lot of it is really thought out and really complex and it's actually like a lot more intense than you'd think it is a lot of it is also if you did play a wrong note how do you recover from that and that's almost how some of the most interesting musical ideas come about is from those mess ups very true it's a, there's another saying in jazz i always loved which is that if you ever played a wrong note, you're always only a half step from the right note. And I always like that too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> now, one I've always, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, say, Holden. Go ahead. The one, the one I've always heard is if you make a mistake, just do it again and then it's purposeful. <laughs> that's a good one as well. Because that's the thing, right? Music is an art, is an art right? So, you know, there is, it, there is really no right or wrong. Right. It's what you intended to do, and what you did not intend to do, but it's still it's still art. It's still something creative. It's still something that's entertaining. Right. So and even playing something wrong or doing something incorrectly, again, if you make that as part of the performance. Then it's part of the performance. Exactly. Definitely. So and I would say to I will say the the only exception to the rules that if you really messed up, I mean, really badly messed up and everybody knows it that own it <laughs> you know i've seen and i've seen like the most top professional artists in the world mess up that badly where they go yep sorry everyone <laughs> we're gonna do this again now <laughs> so even the most professional musicians in the world make mistakes and it's really like you said it's just how you recover from it is is everything whether you make it look like it was intentional or just you know just own up enough to it laugh it off and then just keep on going on and everyone's going to have a good time no one's gonna remember it afterwards unless it was really really bad but most of the time no one's thinking about it when they go home there's thing about how good the show was once you make it that good right it's all about if they had a good time exactly 
Now, I do want to go into competitions more because uh, so obviously several of you have been into competitions, but specifically uh, Summer with you and Undecided Youth, as well as Josh with you with Vintage Wednesday, both are bands that have won the Proof is in the Pudding competition. So uh, talk more. I want to talk more about competition because some people, like there's usually a couple of thought process when it comes to competition. Some people love it and feel that it's it's healthy for uh, for the music community to have competitions and to help grow and to help inspire you. And some others feel that competitions can be hindering because you know either they feel like there's politics involved or there's drama that's involved with it and it can cause a toxic environment or or that it's it is discouraging for those who essentially don't win the competition because obviously there's has to be clearly one winner so can you talk more uh, somewhere else, i can start with you but anybody can chime in here on your thoughts now you've gone through several competitions what's your thoughts on it yeah so um when i was younger basically i think starting when i was like nine or maybe younger than that i did a uh, kiddie competitions and uh that was at desert ridge i don't know if you remember those happening it was uh just like literally like really young kids singing to karaoke songs and uh getting judged for it um but i hated it i hated it so much and i did another one called hot pipes up until i think maybe i was like 13. um and i hated that as well but um i learned so much from it that in hindsight like there were so many things that it benefited me and, you know, like, I think the fact that I hated it is because I didn't like, you know, getting like feedback and stuff, but it's all true. I mean, basically, uh, like mic control, that's a huge thing for singers and a huge thing that a lot of singers don't understand is, you know, the, when the mic is close as they possibly can to their mouth. Um, and when you're singing a high note, people don't want the mouth, the microphone to be as close to your mouth as you possibly can, because it sounds awful. And that was a big thing that I got grilled on for a long time. So now I have this very keen sense of where to put the microphone when I'm singing. Uh, and also, I mean, I'd never like, I didn't get the whole performance thing on my own. Like I'm definitely a very good performer now, but at the time, you know, I still kind of just stood in place and walked to one side and then walked to the other and, you know, don't have any face control or anything like that. And getting grilled for that, honestly, helped bring me out of my shell, even though I hated hearing like, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this over and over again, but they had a point, you know? And uh, so that, I think it definitely benefited me a lot, even though as at the time I was like, this sucks and they don't know anything, but like, you know, that's with anything. Anytime you get, you know, critique in any way, you're gonna be like, that's not true until you realize that like, yeah, it's pretty true. <laughs> um, and then with pudding, um, that was what we did. I think I started doing that when I was 14, 15. Um, I did it four times, I believe. The first year I just did it by myself. I didn't make it past the first round. There's an audition round and then there's the first round. The audition's kind of just to make sure that you can like generally play. Um, and so we did that, or I did that by myself and I didn't make it past the first round, which was fine. You know, it was my first time doing it. There was definitely, Back in the day, there was definitely a lot more bands and a lot more competition at the time. Like, I mean, it was huge during that time. Like, oh, yeah. I'd say like 2013 to 16, it was like pretty huge. And it was a lot of competition in that. Um, the next year I did it with the band and by myself, the band didn't make it past the first round either. And actually I found out um, once we started dating, it came down to the wire with two bands for the tie to see who would make it to the second round. And it was us and another band and they cut us so we could have made it but we didn't um and uh the third year we made it to the finals but there's a kind of an issue with their uh 
you can only do so long of a song. They only give you five minutes or 10 minutes if you're doing two songs, you know? And we did a lot of like long rock songs with a lot of uh, jams and stuff. And uh, we did a song that I think was maybe six minutes for one of the five minute rounds. We got a very angry phone call about our rock and roll attitude and going over the time limit. So uh, that was something that we learned from that is listen to the rules if there are rules because uh, that will bite you in the butt. But um, that year we made it to the finals. We didn't place. The next year was the year that we won. And uh, I would say that having that like sense of healthy competition between everybody is really, really, really healthy. And I think that it inspires you to work harder because I mean, if everybody's like super buddy buddy with each other, then it's, you know, there's really no like need for you to just like work your butt off to be the best band, you know? And like this year or last year for pudding, there was a tie. And I disagree with that. <laughs> I have feelings on that because I mean, what's the incentive, you know? Like there still has to be that like competitive edge to it. And I feel like it's losing that a little bit just a tad, but um, you know, I think that's really important just to keep you on your toes and keep you working. To give some context also on the competition, because I think it's important for people to know if they're not familiar with this competition, it's uh, proof is in the pudding competition is through Alice Cooper Solid Rock uh, Foundation in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's a, a wonderful organization. And uh, so they do this competition every single year for, you know, if you think about pudding and proof is in the pudding, it's actually for you know, for Christmas time, for the holidays. And the, essentially the winners, not only do they put together a, a compilation album, but also on top of that too, the winners, they get to actually perform with Alice Cooper. So kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a big deal. A so Josh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, and sorry. all the people that they have opening for Alice Cooper as well. Like, I mean, they had, um, who do they have our year? I know that wasn't corn there the year you guys won? Yeah. You had corn. Yeah. Um, we definitely had it pretty good when we won. They did. <laughs> I would say, like, not to brag, but out of the few years I did it, we definitely got a good year to win. Mm -hmm. Got the chance to meet Johnny Depp and everybody in corn. And I heard that the guys in corn were like watching our set backstage, like really digging it. And it's just like definitely a lot of cool opportunities there. And like Summer said, I definitely believe in healthy competition um you know and there was a point where like I remember just a mass of us in that competition were all friends but when it came down to it we were also competitive talk about so uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about uh, your experience with opening for Alice Cooper I mean obviously that's a huge deal so uh, I assume that that's probably for both of you uh, probably the large one of the largest shows you've done you know at that point in time correct I would say, assume safe to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shortest 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's two songs, but it was amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was, I don't know if you should talk about it because <laughs> it's a bit, it's honestly been a while. It has been. I mean, it's been a while for me too. Um, that was in 2018 yeah. that I won and that would have been 2016 for you. There yeah. was one band that won in between us, um, but we, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. I think, um, just I didn't really get to meet anybody they were a little bit more uh a little bit more restrictive on us with the backstage stuff I met Larry the cable guy so that's something um that's something. But, you know you gotta take your wins where you get them but uh yeah it was 
it was really cool being on the rotating stage, you know, and I, uh, I dressed like a big old Christmas tree. I was wearing these like big uh, green frilly pants. It literally looked like a Christmas tree twirling around up there. Um, but yeah, just being able to like be in there while they were sound checking, like, you know, using the same microphones that everybody was using like right after them, like that was just really, really cool. Um, Sebastian Bach gave us a shout out on stage after we performed, which was super cool. Gave us a little bit of a, you know, little bit of rep for us, but um, yeah, it was, I love that stage though. And especially it was sold out that night. So of course that's like the biggest crowd I've ever played to. And it, I feel way more comfortable performing with a bigger crowd. Cause it's like, you know, you're not, if you're performing in front of like four people, like in an audition for like, you know, the voice or, you know, American Idol or whatever, it's so much worse. It is so much worse because they're right there and they're just staring at you and you can hear everything they're saying, everything they're doing. But when it's like that big of a crowd, it just feels like so energizing. And it just makes you feel like, all right, I can do whatever I want. Like, honestly, it makes it feel so much better. It was so much fun. Rotating stage. Rotating was it rotating stage? for you? Yeah, and I didn't even, I'm- Celebrity theater. I'm the yeah. kind of person where, even if you gave me the biggest stage in the world, I'm still gonna use everything around it. <laughs> so they had, you know, the little walkway out from the backstage and the, the little side part had like a slope that I climbed up on. And I was like dancing on that, whatever. Um, I almost fell getting back onto the stage because it was rotating and I was on a platform that was standing still, but I had to, you know, kind of catch myself on that and didn't think about it at all. <laughs> wow. But that, you know, but that's what makes the show exciting, right? Is the fact that you, you use the space that you have. Yeah. And everything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, that's a common theme. Like anytime, but anytime I'm on an actual stage, I'll find something around it to get on instead. <laughs> Now, uh, Joel and Holden, I, I do want to talk to you and see what your thoughts are on competitions. I mean, Joel being, you know, part of Drum and Bugle Corps, that's a big part of of what that's all about is the competition. So do you feel the same way? You know, do you know what, what are your thoughts on for competitions? Yeah, my competition background comes less from like the rock band era because like I don't I don't really actually have much experience with like pudding or anything like that. Um, all my stuff is more classical from school and drum corps and that goes back to like i mean in middle school we had like assessments um and that wasn't really a competition but that's kind of where it started because we would have friends at other middle schools and we would like compare how our bands did or you know compare like who got a better rating even though that didn't really matter at that time um and i think that that's all healthy i mean i feel like it's almost human nature to kind of want a raking of things or to know like what's better than what i feel like that's kind of i mean you can see it with like the popularity of like tier lists and all that sort of stuff we really love ranking things and having an order um and so i think that's natural and i also think that it helps breed progress because as long as you're healthy with it and are you know respectful of the people around you then you're all pushing each other to grow and achieve that next level um and that goes all the way that went all the way through high school we would have you know individual competitions uh ensemble competitions in college even we had this uh like uh district uh i uh i went to uh, glendale community college i'm still going there um and we um there's this artist of promise competition through like the uh maricopa college community uh uh college district they do a, a competition through like a bunch of different um 
band ensembles and there's a bunch of different categories and I never participated in those, but I saw the kind of, you know, stress and the anticipation and the, and the hunger for competition that went into that through my peers. Um, and I think that it all works as long as you're all respectful, like they were saying, healthy competition, as long as we're not using it to, you know, put other people down and push on them and, you know, degrade them, then everything is fine. <laughs> you know, just as long as we're having that healthy mindset, it all works out. How are you holding any thoughts on competitions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm intrinsically a very competitive person and in, in kind of all things. <laughs> um, that's just always been who I am. Uh, as far as music goes, kind of similar to Joel, I don't have a ton of experience with the big music competitions, but uh, certainly in school, uh, you know, you want to you want to be the best and you have chair tests and you know, somebody's got to be first chair and somebody's got to be last chair. And um, I had a specific instance in uh, in jazz band, which is, you know, the band where I met Joel. Um, I was playing in that band in fourth through sixth grade. And then I left that band because my family and I moved out of state um, only to then come back the next year. So for my eighth grade year, I, I rejoined the band. And by that time, another kid a year younger than me had joined and he and he was the drummer. And so um, we kind of battled it out for that, for that spot for a while. And it was, it was very, con I see Joel smiling cause he knows how contentious it was. Um, and for, for a long time, we actually really didn't like each other. And then kind of towards the end of high school, cause we went to the same high school. Um, we developed a, a much friendlier, you know, relationship and kind of had admiration for how much we, we both push each other. Cause I actually stopped playing the drums for a period of about a year to a year and a half, um, I, I was like, you know, I'm bored with the drums. I feel like I'd plateaued. This was around sophomore year in high school. And I quit uh, playing the drums entirely. I started DJing. Um, so that was my, you know, that was my musical experience at that point. And then um, the thing, one of the things that, that motivated me to come back to drumming was I saw a, a performance that, that he did. And I was like, Oh, I got it. I got to top that. I got it. I know I can do better than that. Um, and so, and, and that was a, a reason why I came back to it. So um, I really have a lot to thank for, for that, for that competition, certainly. So to change subject subjects here, I want to talk to you, Summer, because I, I, I know that the rest of you don't really have much experience with internships, but Summer, you interned with 8020. And so you mentioned about and I always appreciate the kind words about your experience. I always try to make sure that everyone has a positive and, you know, a learning experience through the entire program. But was there something in particular that you learned about whether about a record label or the music industry in general that you learned through 8020 Records? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it taught me a lot about um, the importance of like promotion and using social media and also, you know, all of the different tools that you can use for that. I mean, that's definitely benefited me a lot, like learning how to organize your posts and things like that and have things like ready to go and having like a time limit and having a general schedule for stuff. I think that's really important and something that I could probably stand to implement in this band a little bit more, but um, you know, it's definitely a huge, huge part of being successful in music. And like, I personally, am I, I kind of loathe social media, even though it's something that you have to have. I feel like it's a necessary evil. Um, so learning how to like tame that beast is very important. And it's something that you kind of just have to have. And that's how you reach people at this point in the game. So it's definitely something that 
I really do appreciate that I could uh, hone that skill in a little bit and, you know, do it with somebody that's not me, you know, like having to put my mind in the space to uh, word things for another person or for another band. Cause you know, I'm pretty used to having to word it for my bands or for myself and, you know, thinking about it from an outside point of view, like how are viewers going to react to this rather than just like, how do I feel, you know, like doing it from like an outside point of view um, that definitely helped me a lot and working in the team too, like just having like brainstorming sessions. I love doing that. We're just kind of trying to figure out, like, I think we talked about the podcast like way back then, like I think I'm pretty sure this podcast was kind of in like planning stages at that point, if I remember correctly. I remember seeing it on the whiteboard, you know. Yep. And I- it was, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely on the works at that point in time. Oh yeah, my my role was drawing little doodles on the whiteboard to just make it a little more fun. That was, that was so much fun. Yeah, it was either you or Emily, so we're doing those. <laughs> uh, it's just you know having like the the group brainstorming stuff, so we can just kind of figure out like some fun ideas to you know make stuff more interesting and kind of bring people in and make them feel included with stuff is like super fun and also learning about like you know the costs behind things like making uh like vinyl and like lp stuff like that is another thing that i remember us talking about i'm like oh man i didn't even realize like how much work goes into doing that because i think we did just like a small amount for bear ghost perhaps i'm pretty sure it's bear ghost yeah. not sure but one of the bands was doing like a small like record release and like just figuring out like all the logistics for that that's like there's so many things that go into it that I didn't even realize and of course like getting to know that stuff at that young age like definitely helped so I could have a little bit of a background going into it going forward. I would love to talk about now the new project that you have which is Summer in the Rain. (laughs) So talk talk to me more about how that came about because that is completely different from Undecided Youth. It's a very different project. And so talk to me a little bit more about how that came about and love to know more about, you know, the reasoning behind this particular project of Summer and the Rain. Yeah, so I, so I realized a couple years before I actually did it that I was ready to move on from doing classic rock, especially because it drew in an older majority male crowd and you know that wasn't exactly what I'm trying to reach you know I'd like to reach young people and you know that's how you grow usually as a musician um and I also realized that um the vocals that I was doing because we were doing a lot of male rock songs actually had a very negative effect on my voice um if you listen to the recordings now that we have out and listen to recordings of me when I was say like 16 17 I sound more like a girl now, which is good. (laughs) It's very good. Um, I kind of forced my voice into this really deep uh, tone that was actually, I mean, my voice is a little bit deeper for a girl, but it's not like, you know, it was really low at that point. It was very intense. um, And that really actually wasn't very good for my voice. And ultimately what I care about is writing music. I, I want to create music. I'm a creative person at my core and I've been writing songs you know, since I could use a guitar to help me write songs, you know, and um, I just really wanted to expand and do my original songs, which wasn't really as much of an option in that band. And I kind of had been feeling that way for a little while. And then uh, COVID hit. And the issue before was we had so many gigs booked, I didn't want to be the person to just cancel all the gigs and make everything crumble apart. Like we had stuff booked out, you know, like a year in advance. So I just never found that chance to kind of separate from everything. And uh, 
once COVID hit, everything got canceled. And uh, I realized it was like, now's the time. I mean, if there ever was a time, now's the time. And I actually called Mike and I uh, asked him for some advice. I was kind of just talking about how I was dealing with, you know, wanting to write original music and find a band that I could express that through. And uh, Mike was like, do it today, do it after this call. And I was like, you know what, you got a point there. So uh, I did. And I uh, branched off from that band and I started the search for this band, which it's tough, <laughs> especially during COVID times, you know, it's like, I'm basically reaching out to everybody online, like nobody's playing anywhere. So I can't just go see people and, you know, try to pick people out, whatever. And finding band members is hard enough as it is. Um, we've learned that. Um, but I basically, I started uh, with the bassist for my last band and a guitarist that I stole from The Rock, who uh, he stayed with us for a little bit. He's a genius. We still love him. He's no longer with us in the band, but that is okay. He's doing some other stuff. Um, so we started with those three. It was just us three. We wrote a couple songs. We practiced with Josh on drums actually one time. And uh, we had a thing where I didn't want to play in a band with Josh because, you know, you know, the whole Stevie and Lindsay, you know, conundrum, you know, like don't want to play in a band with your loved one. But um, so that's why he wasn't in the band for a long time. And uh, I was looking for a drummer for us. And I was working at Target at the time uh, just to get some money because I wasn't gigging or anything. And I was just kind of complaining to somebody that I needed a drummer. And she's like, oh, my brother's a drummer. Maybe you could like ask him. And I was like, you know, that could mean anything. It could mean he's really good or it could mean he absolutely sucks. Who knows? But I, uh, I gave it a chance anyway. And uh, I guess apparently it took me a month to actually message Holden. I guess I didn't realize I waited that long, but I guess I did. Um, and then we met up and uh, it was turned out he's actually really good. So uh, he uh, joined the band that day. And I've been uh, very adamant about wanting a keyboardist throughout the entire thing. I was like, I want to have keys in this. That is like my non-negotiable. It adds so much to the band. It just like it opens so many more like sonic ideas and stuff like that so I asked Holden if he knew anybody and of course Holden has known Joel for a really long time so we got lucky enough that uh Joel joined the band and now he's stuck with us <laughs> <laughs> and then uh our bassist left and uh I was then looking for a bassist and uh that is when we brought in Josh and we swallowed our pride on that whole thing <laughs> and yeah. uh Josh has been with us ever since yeah <laughs> I was like we're strong enough to handle it yes we can handle you know what <laughs> honestly there's been zero issue with that at all like I don't know what we were so scared of. and I like to think that uh, Holden and Joel don't just pretend to like me so that's good <laughs> that's always no good I had to beg I had to beg Summer on my hands and knees to get Josh in the band I was like please let Josh join the band he's so good and he's so cool okay fine all right let Josh <laughs> join the band yes I'll let him join <laughs> But yeah, no, it's this group right here, like, I feel that we're, we all get along, like, very, very, very well. And we all do have a very, like, strong understanding of each other, which I think is very special. Like, I mean, we work so well together as a group, and we write really well together. So it's just, it was serendipitous. I, I knew it would be like, I, I just knew, like, when the time is right, I will find the right people. And here they are. <laughs> and uh, if you notice, uh, there is no guitarist among us. Um, I am currently the lead rhythm guitarist of this band. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you're playing multiple roles in this one. 
yes <laughs> i'm the lead rhythm guitarist yeah that's what i've been saying um <laughs> i'm i'm an okay guitarist i'm i'm a decent guitarist i'm not bad but i also can't like shred i'm not crazy or anything but we've been uh trying to find a new guitarist and eventually we kind of just came to the decision like this group is really solid with the four of us like i i'm well enough to carry out the shows that we do we have a lead keyboardist in the band so he's kind of taking that role which obviously like joel's amazing so we absolutely love having him do that um so yeah i'm just playing guitar for this band for right now and you know it's working out um, and between me josh and joel we all play guitar so for the purpose of recording music and stuff and writing guitar parts like we've got it covered on our three ends so yeah. Is there anything particular that, and I would like a, an answer from all of you, that a lesson that you've learned from your prior projects that you applied towards Summer in the Rain? Do you want to start? It's a good, good question. We're all thinking now. I know. I give a good one. Uh, I want to start by, with somebody else besides Summer. So somebody else go. I mean, we did record somewhat recently. I mean, it was a long, long process. It was. But um, I got lucky enough to have a lot of opportunities to record with Vintage Wednesday, whether it was like a prize for some competition or like we've saved up and recorded or whatever. So I pretty much just learned that when you're using somebody's time who's outside of your band to always show up like more prepared than 100%, like we would play the same song literally like two hours in a row you know just over and over again and it's like it was it felt like hell but it's like a week later when you would play that song it would sound just incredibly tight and that's just pretty much what I learned is like just be professional when you're outside of just your group because yeah definitely a lot of young bands it's like they just have their group and no matter where they are they never have that professional side so I definitely grew, grew a lot from that, yeah. for sure. Yes. Plus when you're paying thousands of dollars to record, you want it to sound. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Like when money's on the line, you, you definitely want to go into the studio prepared. That's yeah. for sure. Definitely. No, I definitely, uh, I would love to shout out Mark Britton for doing this uh, EP with us. He went to high school with me and uh, I didn't even know that he was into doing like music stuff and audio stuff. And we reconnected after high school and we did all of this EP at Mark's house. Like we literally did it in a tiny little room that was shaped like a, you know, happy meal. Uh, so, I mean, we definitely had to work a lot to make it sound good in the space that we had, but honestly, Mark did so much for us and like all props go to Mark on that. Like we are very lucky to have him like. And be recording. He's basically our, yeah, well, yeah, he's literally like our fifth Beatle, you know, like he's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. What about uh, you, Joel? Any any uh, thing that you've taken from your previous work uh, projects and brought to this band? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely haven't had a project that's maybe as serious as this one. Um, like me and Holden had a group in high school where we had this little trio that we did um, where we tried to do some kind of experimental, really long form song that like went through a bunch of genres and and did this crazy stuff um and the thing with that one was 
I think what I took from that was kind of the professionalism that Josh was talking about. Because back then we were in high school, we were just kind of working out this thing and we weren't being all too serious about it. And it took a long time for it to really come to fruition and like actually be we ended up eventually act like actually releasing it on spotify i don't think it's still on there <laughs> you'd have to ask colden but um it, it just we weren't um unified enough to like get it all done in a cohesive manner and work together kind of maturely about it and having like set dates that we would rehearse or record it or write it out and i think that that is something that we still somewhat struggle with because I mean with COVID and everything going on and I mean this is just such a crazy time for everyone that like our schedules don't always line up but like this band is so much better with having set times that we do things or getting our stuff all unified to be more effective as a unit yeah how about you Holden uh, yeah, I mean, as Joel alluded to, we had uh, that group that was the the kind of jazz trio. I was also in a group called uh, Glass Sunflower that I started with my friends. That was in high school. That was kind of towards the end of high school for me. And uh, really, those three people I was in that band with uh, were my best friends. And we started a band because we were great friends, um, not necessarily that we became friends because of the band. And uh, something that Summer and I talked about the first time I met Summer, you know, we were comparing notes and she was telling me about uh, the Undecided Youth Project. And I was telling her about that. And and I was saying, oh, yeah, like those were my best friends. And what she had said at, at some points is, yeah, sometimes that friendship aspect of it wasn't there in the, you know, in the group. And so I, I was like, oh, no, if we're going to be in a band, I'm going to make you be friends with me. Like that's a non-negotiable for me. So I would say that's that's the biggest thing I've learned and, and Summer alluded to is, you know, to have that connection and understanding with one another on on a personal level in order to be successful in the in the music stuff. No, definitely having the uh, the aspect of friendship within the band dynamic is actually definitely something I was very much missing with the last band. I mean, that was a huge part of it and like even like having the writing process be between everybody and having it be something that you talk about and even, you know, getting no's on ideas, getting things that it's like, oh, no, maybe that's not going to work. I mean, there wasn't even really much of a discussion aspect in the last band. It was kind of just, here's what it is. And this is what we're doing. And I'm, I would say, hey, what do you think about my thing? And be like, yeah, it's good. You know, and that's kind of how it works. So it was kind of like, a bit of a culture shock for me coming into this and then sometimes being told no and being told like maybe that's not the right thing and like I had to kind of learn how that working in a group dynamic works because I didn't really have that much of an experience with that and it's definitely necessary like I mean obviously the reason why we've got four people here is because four brains put together is more powerful than just one you know and I've got four very powerful brains here in this band so <laughs> yeah I like how you included yourself. I know. In I, that. Said, I said, well, okay. I'm used to having five people in the band. Now we're a four piece. But She's you know also what? Very hey, humble. I'm going to be confident. I've got a power. Yeah, no, you totally. Talk. No, you need to be confident. No, I, absolutely. I, I see I see in the Zoom call four amazing people, and I'm not including myself on that one. <laughs> uh, let's make it five. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, All right. So, uh, 
So we can wrap it up here. Uh, I do wanted to ask all of you as well, if you have, for any artists that are just getting started, I know how daunting that can be. Do you have any advice for anybody? If, if you were to, knowing what you do now, were just getting started in pursuing a career of music, what would be the first thing that you would suggest for someone you could do? Um, one of the biggest things that I've always kind of told people is I know a lot of artists don't like watching watching videos of themselves. Um, I know I was the same way. Yeah. Like I, if somebody turned on a video of me when I was singing for pretty much the first half of my life, I would leave the room and plug my ears. Like I, I hated it. I could not watch it. And then I came to the realization like, hmm, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel like I can't watch these? What is the thing that's making me cringe so bad that I need to leave the room? And a lot of artists won't watch videos of themselves. And that is huge because the moment you feel Ugh, about something, pinpoint it, watch it again, figure out what you did that made you feel that way. Because I mean, you're, you're your own greatest critic and your own best teacher. I mean, you'll figure out immediately the things that you do and don't like about a performance. And the more you practice and figure out the things that you don't like, the more tolerable watching videos of yourself will be until you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I do like that. I did pretty good there. You know, that's just a big thing that I feel like a lot of artists struggle with. I should take that for myself because I don't like listening to the podcast episodes. I usually don't listen to them once we're done. It, it goes across to my post-production crew. And uh, thank you, Mara, for doing all this because I can't, I, there's no way I could possibly edit them afterwards. So I, I should probably take your advice, Summer, and actually listen to try to be even a better host. Well, no one likes listening to their own talking voice. That's Yeah, that's true, too. It took me so long to give me the courage to do the podcast, but still... Probably is a good idea too, like you said, because you are always going to be your best and worst critic, I would also say. Yeah. What about you, Josh? What'd you say? Some advice. I would say don't ever try to um, be too similar to somebody who you might idolize. Um, try to make it to where nobody can compare you to anyone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just, I'd say that's the most important thing. If you really are trying to set yourself apart, I feel like that's a pretty like general goal that applies to everyone because um, it's easy like if you're just trying to write a song by yourself like oh man I love this band or this genre of music or this artist and and then you get that in your head and you want to sound like them because you idolize them even if you don't realize it but I'd say to just try to get away from that because you know there's they already exist and there's only one of you so try to bring that out yeah yeah, I for, I for that one. <laughs> what about you, Joel? I'd say that um, my advice would actually be something that I also still struggle with is that like the music industry, I mean, as far as we've gone into it, which I mean, isn't as nearly as deep as we could have be, been so far, um, is that it's a social thing. And I, I, I struggle with that sometimes because I have a hard time maybe reaching out or making connections with people that I don't know all too well, but it really is a game of knowing people and knowing where to go to find gigs or to find connections, to find musicians, to find maybe opportunities to like make a relationship with a bigger band and then try and get to like open with them or something like that. I mean, Summer is basically our, our booking agent because she has all those connections, you know, maybe like someone like me, I don't have, since most of my stuff was school and educational music, I don't have those connections in like the local scene and, you know, in bars and places to get those types of gigs. And so I think that that's really important is the social aspect of it that I'm still 
trying trying kind of to delve into you know how are you holding you're you're uh you're the last one uh i would i would just say for people in particular those looking to be part of a band is it's kind of cliche but you just have to be a team player um i think the number one thing that kills great bands is uh egos trying to duel it out to to see who's the best and um, at the end of the day, this is a collaborative process and, and it, it needs to be an equitable and, and democratic process as well. Um, because songwriting is, you know, making a series of decisions until you don't have any more decisions to make and, uh, things can get contentious, you know, and, and sometimes that's healthy and sometimes it's not, but, um, you know, I, I, think something that everyone has to do is just check your ego at the door and try to think about what's what's best for the band and um you know if you keep that at the forefront then it's it's hard to not do well absolutely agree well thank you so much all of you for being on the show i really do appreciate it uh summer i will say also that i am ridiculously proud of you on you know it's 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 so amazing to watch you grow as an artist going through not only 8020 records but just seeing you grow through all these different projects and i'm so excited for the summer and the rain and um, you know, only, only sunshine going ahead. I'll put it that way. Only sunshine going ahead. <laughs> Which I would like to say, um, we just released our first EP. I'm very proud of this little guy. Uh, it's called Sundrop. I actually made the album art myself. It's a picture about like this big in real life. It's all National Geographic magazines that I collaged together, and it's very textured and fun in real life. It glows in the dark. You can't see that on Spotify, but that's know. cool in the dark it's pretty cool um but yeah we would love if you guys could check out sundrop and you know give it a couple of listens or so oh There's absolutely was on there um we it was a collaborative effort from all of us and we're all very proud of it i'll definitely make sure we put it in the description for everybody to check it out check it out i've listened to it it's amazing so definitely everyone take a listen to the ep heck yeah <laughs> awesome thank you guys so much i really do appreciate it thank you thanks for having us <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the 8020 show. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow. If you enjoyed the episode or this podcast overall, please leave us a review or comment on our socials, which you can find us at 8020records on pretty much all platforms. You can also check us out on our website at www.8020records.com. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.